0: everyone, welcome back to the Hooked On Podcast. I'm Rob McNichol. It is great to be back with you for the first time in several weeks. And as always, I'm happy to say I'm joined by... actually no, there is no showbiz Paul Benson this week. I'll explain why in just a second, but he is unavailable. So it is like one of those old episodes of Raw when they would do an angle with Jim Ross and beat him up in his hometown and they would have to call into the back and bring out some second string announcer. So tonight, Dean AS, you are Kevin Kelly from nineteen ninety-nine. How does that feel?
1: Yeah. <laughs> I've always wanted to be Kevin Kelly I met Kevin Kelly once at a wrestling show at the Gary Albright memorial show that I happened to be in town for in Allentown, Pennsylvania and we asked for a photo and I basically went to pose for a photo with me putting my hand over his mouth because I didn't like his commentary at which point he said thank you and walked off and refused to have the photo taken with us (laughs) <laughs> so that's that's my abiding memory of uh, Kevin Kelly. But yes, Paul Benson is away, and obviously, all of us wish him the very best of luck in the ongoing court case. But obviously, we're not allowed to talk about it for legal reasons.
0: <laughs> Hashtag justice for Benson. Um, uh, yeah, I have to backtrack on that I'm just in just in case. Uh, just in case anyone actually believes that you're telling the truth for once, is that uh, will there? Uh, it's actually listen. Paul is very, very busy. Genuinely, right? Paul is really, really busy. hasn't got much time to spend. And actually, what you guys don't realise when you listen to a, a two-hour podcast or something on, uh, on the Hooked on podcast is actually Paul and I would we'll probably have had a chat for an hour and a half beforehand and two hours afterwards, and I've ruined his evening and his wife gets angry with me. Um, well, we've managed to contain a half an hour preamble. So we, had, we did tragic. have a preamble, didn't we? It was actually very good. It was very entertaining. Probably better than the actual podcast will end. Being. But um, um,
1: I, I'm not interested in justice for Benson. I'm interested in justice for those innocent farmyard animals. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, I, will, right. I will say that the, in our preamble before we actually uh, press the record button to come on air here was the, Dean and I were, were comparing um, concussions <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the, the best part of the comparison of concussions is that I've had one and he claims to have had five but when he explained them all to me only explained four and can't remember the other one so that's well, uh, a beautiful you, example of the, uh, the dangers of uh, getting hit in the head Yes, they, they do say that after three
1: concussions, you start to suffer permanent brain damage. And I think the fact that I can't remember one of them is kind of proof of that, really.
0: That uh, is a beautiful um, metaphor for the uh, the entire situation. Um, one of the reasons, though, um, I would go first was, first reserve... I've was, was.
1: Sorry, go, sorry, go just remembered what, remember what the fifth one was. It was an accident at home that was nothing to do with wrestling.
0: Uh, have you been injured in an accident at home? Um, now the uh, the reason that uh, you are first reserved straight off of the bench um, and to come into a position there such as this is because cheap. oh if the you're very cheap you're cheaper than me but um, when it comes to um, having an anecdote just there on the palm of your hand that you can knock out we might have had a chat for half an hour beforehand none of which involved mentioning Kevin Kelly or indeed Allentown Pennsylvania but you are po- possibly the only person I know that could have a Kevin Kelly in Allentown, Pennsylvania story at the drop of a hat, because um, we, pre- we didn't even prepare that and you had a story. And I also want to say I'm not slagging off Kevin Kelly, who's actually turned into quite a good announcer, but in 1998 he was the sort of fat, bland-faced, ordinary it, it, person yes. that, uh, that you had to call on when, uh, when JR was injured.
1: In 1998, he he was not what he is he is today. And as you say, he is a very good commentator these days. But yeah, that was that, that was an exercise. Basically, I went I went to uh, Philadelphia in 2000 for CyberSlam 2000. We went there for a few days and got lucky in that we managed to catch. Uh, Smackdown tapings in, in in Philadelphia which is the one do you remember the one where um, where Triple H squashed Taz yes winning? I do yes. yeah I do remember still that, yeah. Champion. Yeah, we were at that one then we had the Gary Albright memorial show I think the next day or the day after that um, where we, by luck more than judgment, ended up staying in the same hotel as all the wrestlers and getting horrendously drunk with the Anuahi family and having one of the worst hangovers ever. And then we had an ECW house show on the, Saturday, the Friday night and the uh, Cyber Slam show where um, where Tommy Dreamer beat Taz and then lost the title within minutes of just incredible. Wow. And uh, you can can see me and uh, Sam Nee, the promoter of uh, Hearts and Essex Wrestling, and a WAW wrestler. He uh, he went over there with me. You can see us in the crowd. It's marvelous.
0: Right. What a lovely story. You only went out for a pint of milk, as the old joke goes, and uh, <laughs> you, 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 you took in all that. Um, we're gonna just uh, say that name again of the uh, the name of the family that you got drunk with. The Anuahi family. Do you know what? I'm not sure. I've ever really known how to say that. You
1: that
0: is it? how you pronounce it I, I trust I... you I trust you you, you see yeah. it written down and you never quite know how to um, uh, how to say it I didn't know until about four years ago that a urinagi was the same thing as an urinage
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I would read reports of matches and said there was a, and then they turned this move into a urinage and then I go oh it's a urinage I don't really know what a urinage is and then one day I sort of, I think I watched the match as I was reading the report of it and I was like Oh, it's a urine doggy. <laughs> so, I hadn't really realized and i uh... I remember when
1: reading his name in, in like Pro wrestling Illustrator before I ever saw him i I thought that there was this uh, great young Canadian wrestler called Chris Benoit.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I suppose you would do. I actually would have known that one only because i was uh I was dead into European football at the time, and Marseille had a right winger called Benoit Coway. I don't know if you uh, um, remember Benoit Coway of Mar- Marseille. I might have even said Coway wrong now, but he was definitely called Benoit. It was that, it was that Marseille team that had uh, Basil Boli and Jean-Pierre Papin, and that sort of uh, era. They had uh, Benoit Coway playing wide on the right. Anyway, this is not uh, this is not wrestling, and it's no uh, no point whatsoever. But you do mention the uh, the Anawahi family. We're probably going to talk about uh, one of the gentlemen within that family here uh, in a, in a little bit. Um, but oh, um, be- yeah, before, thanks. pardon. Uh, old Joe? No, not not Joe. I don't believe Joe's part of the family, is he? But uh, no, no um... Joe is, isn't, isn't Roman Reigns' name. Joe anyway. Oh, is that? His real... Yeah, oh, yeah. I think he might be actually. Yeah. So when you said Old Joe, I thought you meant Samoa Joe, who I thought. No, 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 Oh, sorry. no. Yeah. And I'm, there's, I remember when we were over there. Actually, there was
1: there was a one of the family who was like fourteen or fifteen, and was like the next generation of the of them coming through, and it was a. I can't remember what his actual real name was because it would either have been Roman Reigns or do you remember the guy who was um, Matty Smalls and who was in that group with, like, Cody Rhodes and Ted DiBiase Jr. And I can't remember what they called him now, but he was a very short-lived Samoan guy in the WWE about five, ten years ago. Uh,
0: Well, there was, there was Sim Snooker, but
1: that was... Manu... Um... Manu that was it, they called him Manu It was so I'm not sure which one was, we either met a 14 or 15 year old Manu or a 14 or 15 year old Roman Reigns so for the sake of sounding impressive let's say it was Roman Reigns
0: Manu, that's, that's only vaguely registering which was the one, one of them was supposedly the fake cameraman that didn't catch Undertaker properly at Wrestlemania 25 was that Manu? no idea I think that's supposedly do you remember Undertaker didn't quite nail that that dive at at 25 and he landed on someone I'm fairly certain that was either Manu or it was Sim Snooker uh, if indeed they are two different people but I'm fairly certain they are um, we've uh, we've taken a turn on this already and gone off into uh, uh, not to the first I would imagine of various different uh, cul-de-sacs that we will uh, speak let's, of this let's evening bring it back. let's bring it back Rob we'll bring it back we've always got to uh, bring it back that's the uh, the nature of this show um, but uh, yes it was one more quick time but Paul isn't with us but we uh, we do miss him we, the whole idea of doing this podcast in the very first uh, first place was that um, myself and Paul would have a a chat on the phone uh, probably once a week or so and and uh, Frankly we'd be quite entertained by our own nonsense and so we'd talk at each other for a, an hour or so And we, put, we thought we should probably put this on a podcast And if a, a few people listened that would be cool And we can uh, plug some hooked on stuff at the same time And the reason I bring up this is not to uh, to recall everyone back to the uh, the genesis of this podcast But is to uh, to mention the fact that uh, you're doing a kind of similar thing Dean Is that, uh, is that fair to say? Well, a, a podcast? A podcast which is born out of you and your mate having a chat about something and thinking we could parlay yes. this into something more. Yes, it was a good friend of
1: mine, a chap called Liam Hap, who's a long-time wrestling fan and he's a, he's a, a sports journalist. He's formerly worked for Eurosport. Uh, he is officially on Twitter a blue-tick wanker and... Um, it was actually when he came to the uh, Bruce Pritchard Something to Wrestle with uh, tour in London. We were talking about things. We were basically both huge WCW fans back in the day. Um, so we, we we loved it and loathed it in equal measures because at times it did get a bit strange and, and ludicrous. Um, so uh, we are we are in the midst of uh, launching a podcast simply called Because WCW. Um, so um, that should be out fairly soon. Um So yes, if you would like to give us a follow on Twitter at BecauseWCW or also on Facebook, again look up BecauseWCW, we uh, will be um, telling you very shortly uh, all about the first episode. But obviously, in the spirit of WCW, it is going to be the greatest podcast in the history of this great
0: sport. Well, that is is good to know. Um, I'm afraid what I'm going to have to do at this point is tell two um, Rob is an old man stories. Um, one is that I hate your name of your podcast I understand why you've done it and I'm sure it's going to be very good I'm looking forward to listening but you've gone with that sort of modern speech trope of um, of omitting you know, certain words that would help complete a sentence um, modern speech so trope what yeah. you mean is when people say things like oh that's gone wrong because that's the kind of thing that WCW would do but it's become because WCW and I don't like that. Um, but you also mentioned at one point, you mentioned someone being a blue tick wanker, uh, and it occurred to me, I was going to say, is that what BTW stands for, when I see that uh, mentioned on social media, which is, of course, by the way. By but, je- but I. But I will say, this is a genuine one. I would read at the bottom of people's Twitter or Facebook posts for a good couple of years, where people would say FTW on it, and they were meaning for the win, in the uh, modern parlance, and I genuinely thought they meant fuck the world, like Taz did. Well, well it can it can mean both, I think, because um,
1: I remember one posting on my Facebook, FTW, and someone went, oh, this is the bad FTW, isn't it? So I don't know, but I think for the win is, is more more commonly used, definitely.
0: But I mean, it's, think... it's much stranger, though, when you don't know that. So you've obviously got the yeah. knowledge that it could be either, but when you see people saying... I mean, obviously, for the win, it's quite a positive thing. So it's like, "Hooray! I'm going to do this tonight, FTW!" And I think, "Oh, you were in quite a positive mood, and then you suddenly decided you wanted to fuck the world at the end." But uh... <laughs> yeah, I
1: tell you what I've noticed recently
0: is that loads of places, loads
1: of shops, and logos and slogans and whatnot—they uh, well, seem to have dispensed with vowels. I was in London a couple of weeks ago, and there's a burger chain opening up called B R G R. <laughs> and um, I've seen people wearing baseball caps that see BRXTN, and um, it, it just annoys me. It's uh, yeah. Well, I how like, how I do like... you
0: feel therefore about SPLX or Suplex wrestling apparel? That's another which, one, which I is mean, very good. Like... Very good stuff and very successful, and yeah, some so nice like, people behind do you... it. And you do, well. You say that you see. Say... I do like their stuff
1: and I like the people behind them but to be fair to them they kind of started doing that before lots
0: of other places caught on it has now it's, it's run away with itself i tell you what the best example is and this is you never thought you'd hear this on the, on this podcast although you actually you may have if you came to one of I forget which one it was at one of our um Something to Wrestle With Bruce Pritchard shows that we did on our UK tour Um, I referred to Undertaker as being the Madonna of professional wrestling um, because he changed his image so often and has stayed successful. And Bruce absolutely rinsed me on stage for referring to Undertaker as being Madonna. But I'm going to bring up Madonna again and say that she did an album, uh, I think probably about six or seven years ago, which was called MDNA. Now, it's not vowel less because it's got an A at the end, but I thought that was an extremely clever album title because it sounds uh, it's a bit like her name, but it's also a little bit like a drug, which is very clever. <laughs> And I can
1: also mention that, as far as I'm aware, The Undertaker has never released a coffee table book that featured pictures of his genitals.
0: Not yet, sir. Not, Not yet. yet, but there's still time. Yeah, there is. There is. Hmm. Uh, if you would like to see uh, anyone involved in professional wrestling release a coffee table involving their genitals, please right in. At uh, in fact, actually, we should do some. Um, some writing things on this show. Um, if if you want to comment about anything on this show, please write to Paul at hookedonevents.co.uk because no, I sorry, want, I to... want
1: him to write in a po- on a postcard. No 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 no
0: no. no. I want them to email Paul at hookedonevents.co.uk because I want to see if he's listening. I think he oh. will. I think he will listen. Hi Paul, if you're listening. He probably switched off after you accused him of stuff with fire animals. But Hi, if he is listening, hello. It, but uh, if you are listening eventually yes this is why you got all those mad things into your email inbox so um, um, everyone complain about something or praise something or say that Dean's the greatest guest ever or something into uh, into Paul's inbox and tell him to stay away or something like that it'd be, uh, it'd be amusing for me if no one else um, so yeah just quickly on the, so on the podcast then so uh, it's going to be is it going to be uh, a certain subject every week or are you going to be a bit more yeah. rambling about it or this time you know 20 years ago what's the format
1: well we we've started I mean the thing is these, these things kind of uh, change organically a bit don't they but the first thing the the first one we're looking at is uh, the biggest pay-per-view they ever did which was Stargate 97 yep yeah. um and the enormous clusterfuck around the main event, and all the stuff that happened backstage, and all the things that were changed, and and all the bizarre booking decisions, and lunatics running the asylum, and yeah, is, there's loads of stuff in there, loads and loads of stuff. But um, I think the idea is that we'll uh, we'll kind of bounce around different shows. But you know, again, if people want a specific show to be looked at, then uh, then let us know.
0: You're going to be doing it from a from a position of love, though, aren't you? It's not because it's not the, the kind of WCW was terrible because you guys are big WCW fans, aren't you? So it's it's not yeah. necessarily oh, let's just poke fun out of something kind of you know wrestle crap style. Not that there's anything wrong with wrestle crap. But it's good fun, but you know we... you're going to do it from so, a place of love.
1: Yeah, we we praise the praiseworthy, and we we uh, we rip the things that should be ripped and, and I know I, yeah, we're talking about this we said that um yeah that, that when we are ripping it it's because we love the product and we wanted it to be so good and some of the times it was brilliant and some of the time it was just so bad that you wanted to tear your hair out because you knew it could be so good you know it's it's like you know like a like a kid at school if you're a teacher and they're they're Acting up and being shit, and you know that they can do really good work when they put their mind to it. It's a similar thing to that, really. So, uh, so yes, that's um that's going to be launching very soon because WCW. Um, I'm also, if I may, may plug one other thing. I am yeah. I'm doing on um, Saturday the 30th of September. Uh, I am doing a rest uh, a managers and promos seminar. Um for a promotion called UKPW at the Falkenwood Community Centre, which is in uh, Welling, sort of in Kent, london area. Um, It's from 12 o'clock midday till 2 o'clock, and then they've got a show um, half an hour later. But basically, it's looking at everything to do with wrestling bar the actual wrestling, essentially. Um, Or, as I've put it, the fact that I've been employed in the wrestling business for 24 years and I'm the least physically... Gifted person the world has ever seen. So you know if I can do it, so can you. Um, there's only very limited places available, um, and they are filling up. So if you are interested in that, um, then go to www.ukpw.co. That's it. It's just www.ukpw.co, and on that page you can there there'll be a, a link to my seminar, and you can buy a ticket for that. Um, and if it'll be money well spent. I can sh- assure you.
0: I like the description of Welling, Kenty, london area or whatever it was that you called it um, This, this is, yeah. I'm assuming you mean Welling with an I-N-G as opposed to Welling Garden City, don't you? Welling as in Wellington, yeah. yeah, well, yeah. Without, without the turn, but yes. But yeah, the, one in, the one in East London near Bexley. Yeah, okay, so just, just to... Yeah. Um, South, South
1: East London, North West Kent, that sort of area. I think it's officially Kent, but everyone knows
0: it was London. Uh, it's almost certainly the other way around. It's probably officially London, but historically Kent, I would have thought. But uh, that's, that's needless, needless pedantry. Uh, needless pedantry here on the Hooked On podcast. We should make that a regular feature. Um, but uh, what you did do... Uh, I, I have to praise... Um, Paul Benson, who is incredibly um, well up on his plugage, because basically I, I, do as, I do the minimum amount of work possible for this show. Um, so basically, I press record and then um, press press stop at the end, and then put it, put some music either side, and that's me. Whereas Paul has to do all the we're doing eleven shows, and this is who's hosting them all, and this is where they all are, and this is how you buy tickets, and he has to do all that, and I don't. I just sit back and just you know mock him. Um, so uh, so you're on essentially so you can plug something so I can have a little break um and uh and since i needlessly have a go at him for getting things wrong i thought i'd uh, have a pop at you as well so that was um it was mainly mediocre it had moments of being average and at one point it, it, you know it got to satisfactory but well done um well, it was a fi- it was a fine effort um but i can assure you that uh, while um plugging is uh, one thing um managing is quite another and if you've never seen um dean the twisted genius dean as i should say um in full cry it, is, it really is something to behold and you're right it there's no way you'd have survived even 2.4 months of a career let alone 24 years had you not had to, something to offer the wrestling business is not such a place that people give you a, a job for being nice you know they're nice exactly. I I quite like him Let's employ him. Nope, you need to be uh, somewhat good at uh, what you do to uh, survive a long time. And uh, Dean is actually—this pains me to say it—but he's actually very, very good, and oh, uh, and he knows what he's, he knows what he's talking about. So it's um um if what sort of people would you be looking for to go to that? Are you after people that have? You know, uh, maybe wrestled a wee bit, and they're coming towards the end of their career, and they want to learn something different. Or is it someone that's tried wrestling but found it a bit hard, and is desperate to stay, you know, involved in the business? Is it someone that's just a fan and can just come along? What, who who needs to be coming to this?
1: Yeah, you know, it, it is suitable for literally absolutely everyone. I mean, I've had um, I have the people, a couple of people who've who've messaged me on Twitter to say that they're coming already. I, I've been, they've made me aware that they're interested in becoming uh, managers, but, you know, it can be for, it's basically about how to talk, how to create a, and transmit a character, um, different types of promo, you know, because you'll have the, the promo to get people to come to the show, In the future, you'll get the promo for when you're at the show and the match is happening later on. You'll get the promo to try and get people to come to the next show, for example. Those all different types of promos that you do. But basically, if you're if you're a wrestler, it's good. A, it's good to be able to talk anyway. You know, I mean, you only need to look at someone like Grado. Um, You know, the guy by his own admission, he's not in the greatest shape in the world. He's not the greatest technical wrestler in the world, but he launched. Uh, a load of videos on YouTube that were so entertaining they went virtually went viral and he got got jobs up and down the country and abroad all because of how he could talk and the character he was able to portray so yeah I'll be talking about that we'll be looking at what makes a good character what makes a memorable character what you know visually what is good to present to people um, and obviously doing the, the promos, the, the talking them yourself, so yeah, whether you're a manager whether you're a wrestler, even if you're a commentator um, but yeah, the other thing as well, think about it is, you know if you're a wrestler and you get injured, and I've seen this happen with people like Marty Scull for example where you get injured but you can still contribute to the show by being like a, a manager or a ringside companion for a show, so you can still get booked and you can still earn money while you're injured um, so it's going to be useful for anyone and everyone.
0: I'll come on to Marty. Actually, I was I was going to um, ask you a couple of small bits about a few uh, British guys that are knocking around in uh, in the business at different places at the moment. We'll we'll do that later on. But um, yeah, you make a really good point in terms of you you can point to a few people, can't you? Like uh, even at the very top of the game. Think about when CM Punk got injured and he was in the midst of a good spell and he he put on a sport coat and damn it he sat there on Raw and he did some commentary and he was really really good. You know, yeah. even someone like Macho Man back in the day, you know, was someone that they used as a, you know, commentator while injured. Mr. Perfect, There's various different people that they've done it with. Roddy Piper, um, you know, you want they want to keep them on TV and keep them around and keep them relevant. I said they should have done it a couple of years ago. I thought they could have done it with Rollins. I thought Rollins would have been, you know, someone that they could have, uh, you know, kept around. After, you know, after his baby face turned, but then when he got injured, not when he was a heel, but you, you know what I'm talking about. So there was there was yeah. that time where. I thought he is such a good talker in real life. I don't know if you've ever seen. Uh, I've seen a couple of sort of panels with him at uh, comic cons or at, you know pre um, pre summer. I think it was a pre SummerSlam two years ago where they did a uh, like a, a roundtable thing, all talking about NXT, and he absolutely stole it. him and Corey Graves absolutely stole it because they were just so natural and so well spoken and funny. And he was a heel at the time in on TV, but this he was himself on this panel and he just seemed so nice and engaging and it's like I really could see him being excellent on commentary one day um Rollins has been there uh, yeah. has been well, an, um, um, an option and listen yeah. you know look you, at Austin Aries when you know when yeah. he was injured they had
1: him as a commentator on Tory Five Live and you know this in, in this country it's you know we have independent wrestling everyone's an independent contractor you pick up bookings where where you can so you know, as we've seen with with people before, if they get a serious injury and they're out for several months, then they've actually lost that stream of income. So it's useful in that respect.
0: That's very true. Um, and for those that know Dean is, uh, as the as uh, the the tea towel wearing manager, um, you may not also realise that he's also uh, a very fine commentator as well. Um, and you've you know you've done you probably do more commentating now than you do managing. Do you not?
1: Absolutely, I've got yeah. um, I've got one one the uh, management gig lined up um, which is for uh, premier promotions in Peacehaven uh, which is uh, on the Sussex coast a few miles east of Brighton uh, it was on the news this week because they discovered what they thought was a World War Two bomb turned out to be a fuel tank quite how you mistake those two things I'm not <laughs> sure but they did and um, and uh, yeah that's for, for premier promotions and then other than that I have got several several bookings um, over the course of the next few months rest of the year for commentating for IPW UK because they've now merged with Fight Nation so we've got a ton of shows because Fight Nation booked venues and IPW booked venues so we've got to honour all of those bookings so I've got a double schedule, sort of October of September October November time um, and then it calms down a bit before Christmas
0: excellent stuff and uh, where can people hear that um, they can,
1: the best, well, we we uh, have a, a deal with uh, Flow Slam, which is a, a, a streaming sports service as part of Flow Sports. Um, we do a show, um, every other month we do a live show, and the alternate months we have a recorded show. So our next show is actually on um, Sunday, September the 17th. It's the 13th anniversary show, um, and we're live on Flow Slam then. Um, but also, if, yeah, if you go to FlowSlam, basically you've got access to like Evolve and WWN and loads of, uh, I think, OTT in Ireland, loads and loads of, of different promotions from all over the world. And there's like boxing and MMA and, and everything else as well. Um, but also, uh, we also have our shows available on IPW Online, um, sorry, on IPWONDEMAND.com. Um, so you, and you've got, you can order or uh, you can subscribe to that and there's a huge back catalogue of like 13 years' worth of shows there.
0: Superb. It's absolutely brilliant that we've got these repositories these days. That you can go and, you know, you can watch Progress and you can watch IPW and you can watch, you know, various different um, companies, whether it's on TV, on a small service or whether it's on their website or whatever. It, I love how things have really, really, truly evolved that people can... Can get into it wherever they are in the world now. You don't have to just be, you know, that's restricted great. to, you know, living in Sussex just to get to, you know, see you, Dean. And it, but you can be wherever you are in the world, and no, it's Absolutely. true, and, and be able to get to see it. And I think that's um, yeah. terrific. I, I have, but one request is that, um, you know, there was that sort of caricature, not caricature, but there was that um, uh, there was that stereotype in uh, old timey British wrestling about the old woman with her handbag, when yes. were, with her brolly. That would would hit the bad guy. Um, yeah. I think you should introduce one of those, um, at the IPW shows, and and perhaps call her Flow, and just make sure that once every show she hits someone, then they drag her in the ring and body slam her. So and you, it can be uh, and it can be yeah. called Slam Flow. Marvelous. On Flow Slam. There, you are. so that's why my one idea. Um, I don't like to give them out too much because you know I've got to. Uh, Worry about who has the copyright now. I've well, put this out in the uh, in the open. I can't claim any money for it, so it's uh, a bit tricky. But you know, I'll be well, I'll, I will be happy in the knowledge that part of my you know my your creative input, my creative input in the wrestling industry will have been realised forever.
1: Well, well, when um when we do uh Worthing, shows in Worthing for Premier, it's still real in Worthing, and believe you me, we have old men and old ladies getting up and trying to smack us and and all all manner of of uh problems. But the good news is that this week it was revealed as well because um there's quite a lot of publicity about the fact that Premier promotions after like 25 years had um had lost um. Their venue in Worthing, which was the Assembly Hall, um, which had held rest, uh, the Assembly Hall in Worthing and had wrestling going on for like 60 years or so, that um, was announced this week. They've actually managed to get a new venue, um, a community hub called St Paul's, which is literally around the corner from the Assembly Hall. So, um, it's fantastic news. So, Worthing wrestling in Worthing has been saved essentially.
0: Oh, that's good news. That is good news because uh, it's um, always nice when there's a um when there's a thriving community of uh, of wrestling fans and um you don't want to have to uh turn them away so hopefully just going down the road will be uh will be successful for you speaking um of brand new venues um hooked on wrestling um had to leave our spiritual home in uh in London uh, we've been at a walkabout next to, next to temple station for the last 3 or 4 years who were wonderful hosts and wonderful partners, but uh, sadly, given that uh, the, the pub had changed hands, was no longer a walkabout and was turning into a salsa bar. Um, so suddenly, they re- they decided that the symbiosis of uh, wrestling and salsa um, was not appropriate for them, so uh, we lost our home for Summerslam. But uh, we were very very happy that we wound up at the uh, at the Grand right next to Clapham Junction, uh, and I had not been there, had not taken in the uh, the uh, the atmosphere until the uh, the show itself, and. uh goodness me what a fantastic venue we found um it's, it's totally
1: brilliant we uh, we did a wrestling show there last april for ipw uk it was where we had the main event of tommy dreamer and jimmy havoc and it is a magnificent venue it just looks so good it looks like a mini royal albert hall um and also just to get a shameless plug in there we will be back there next year i, I think off the top of my head it'll be early next year that we are planning to come back to the clapping ground
0: It's a very cool venue. It's it's literally an old theatre. It felt very um, uh, Phantom of the Opera to me, sort of wandering around backstage in it, uh, in this old theatre building. But um, it worked terrifically. The best of everything was how well it worked for the actual show itself. So just to come along uh, and watch the pay-per-view on an absolutely enormous screen. Presumably, most of you would have been to the theatre at some point in your life, whether it's to see a pantomime or whether it's to see. A play or Les Miserables or whatever it might be, but you think of when you look at a, a big stage, a big London stage, and think about the size of the backdrop and maybe when they bring the safety curtain down, that's the size of the screen basically, so it's an absolutely whopping great screen. We've got others that are dotted around the venue as well, but the, the main one is a huge one on the back of the stage. And completely unbeknownst to us, we didn't know this was going to happen. But their in-house tech guy, who was very sound and worked with our own DJ Stevie, and between them they did all the tech stuff. Um, we didn't know he was going to do it, but he was messing around with all their um, with all their effects during the show. So, for example, when Bala came out as the demon, um, all the house lights in the theater went red, and he started messing with the spotlights oh, and man. moving them around the room. And and the smoke machine came on, so there was all oh, smoke going man. everywhere. So it was absolutely superb. Um, I was
1: that I missed that show because I was basically I I was uh, commentating on the wrestling show that night, so I wasn't able to make it. But uh, I will definitely come along for uh, a future a future presentation because that does sound absolutely fantastic. You should Ge- It was
0: genuinely brilliantly enhance the evening. We had a couple of um uh, we had a couple of confetti guns as well, which we got to decide when we wanted them to go off. I don't remember exactly when they were now, but I think um we well we we definitely did one when. Uh, when Lesnar won the main event, I forget what the other one was now, but I think we were we were going to do it with Nakamura, but he obviously didn't win. But
1: I was going to say you had one in reserve for the time, if and when Old Knackers becomes world champion. I
0: actually think we, we I think we discussed that, that we, we would do it for Old Knackers, and uh, unfortunately he didn't win. But the um the winner of the fancy dress um was uh he, he rather split the room um but he, he was uh he was agenda Mahal. Right, um, and was the, his detractors basically said it was just an Asian guy in a suit, and that it was a sort of reverse racism that we just gave it to. It could have been any Asian guy in a suit, and he won it. Um, but that is not fair because he, he the guy, was excellent. His, his, he looked a bit like him, not massively, but he looked you know fairly like him. But he did have um, a Sing brother who introduced him on, and his promo was excellent. So there was. Uh, um, he was a deserving winner um, it's not the strongest fancy dress competition I've ever seen in my life but uh, uh, he did deserve to win and uh, although I did feel bad for uh, as we called it uh, Ms Jericho um, who came up as Chris Jericho but had had the uh, the light up jacket and everything um, which was quite good but I want to uh, stress to everyone so those of you that are listening it didn't come along to to uh, Uh, to our SummerSlam event in London. Those of you that are are regular London visitors to uh, Walkabout Temple and you didn't come to SummerSlam, please do come and join us for the Royal Rumble. Um, We we fell in love with our new venue. Um, We also had a a lot of new new people come along to this one. Um, And we are aware that SummerSlam is usually the uh, the weakest of the three in terms of drawing power, as it were. So, it won't be until November or, or around about that sort of time that we release tickets for the Rumble but we are encouraging people to get in as soon as possible once we get towards rumble tickets in london in particular because um we could be very 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 busy in the uh, in the clapham grand come uh, come Royal rumble time because uh, we've now got a sort of a brand new strand of an audience so um hopefully that's going to be a really really cool event and we want to see a lot more of our are hooked on regulars that we've got to know over the years and you need to bring your uh, your A-game costume wise as well because we want to uh, see some of those things anyway that and is of for...
1: course if, uh, if you want to yeah, work on your promo to help win you that prize come along to my sermon um... on Saturday September the 30th at the Falkenwood Green Centre in Welling at 12 o'clock noon.
0: yes bravo Dean. <laughs> when I say bravo Dino I don't mean Dino Bravo oh, 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 <laughs> okay.
1: tickets at www.ukw.co. yes I suppose that could and, be uh, rather I've than... not been by the, the uh, Canadian Mafia no.
0: <laughs> no I suppose you're I Dean don't... A you're Dean A so if he was Dean so you're you more Dean Dean Alpha as opposed yeah. to Bravo if we're doing phonetic mm. Latin <laughs> could we get how many? here's a task how many different wrestlers can we do for all of the phonetic alphabet got, um, so you've got American Alpha and Dino Bravo so what we've we got C Charlie Charlie Hass D- yep. D- Delta uh, yeah there was uh, wasn't there a team in uh, TNA that were called something like Phi Delta Slam
1: there they might be Independents so I've definitely heard of that
0: name yeah so that's yep. that one so what we got then uh, E Echo Good luck finding Echo Foxtrot and Golf. Echo. Well, no, I will t- no, tell you what. Um, Raw has been held in the uh, in the Liverpool Echo Arena. Right. Okay. I might be struggling with Foxtrot a little bit. Foxtrot's a bit like Fandango, maybe. Um,
1: golf. Uh, the the makes me think of uh, of White, oh, Kerwin
0: White. All Kerwin White, kind of. I was thinking of Hole in One, Barry Darso. Oh, of
1: course. Yes. In uh and then so we have the smackdown hotel
0: smackdown hotel brilliant india which is well, where the champion comes from is where jinder mahal comes from amongst many others so that's uh, all yeah. in- on oh, about juliet yeah yeah not- uh, i'm not sure about juliet the kilo you know lots of wrestlers weigh you know um Wait. weigh yeah. certain he amounts of kilos kilo was always announced as
1: 121 kilos yeah. and brilliant. of course al snow was from uh, Le- no, Lima, from no, Lima, no. Oh,
0: oh brilliant, sir. Yeah. Okay, I was. Go- I'm glad you took us away from that because I was just about to say that there'd been certain wrestlers that bought some of their extracurricular um, things in kilos, but I won't say that because it's controversial. No. But um, M is Mike, isn't it? So we can have uh, oh, Mike, Mike Mizanin, or we could have uh, Mike Kanellis. Well, let's say maybe for his uh, and, uh, gigantic November push. November to remember. November to remember's good. What are we on M and O? This one, this one, this one and gets no, embarrassing. No. You can't remember the alphabet. Oh, Oscar. Oscar! Manager of Men on the, men mission. On the mission, brilliant. P. To Papa Shango. Papa Shango. And I was going to go Papi Chulo, but yes, Papa Shango, even better. And the Quebecers. The Quebecers is good. Uh, Romeo. Ro- Kid, Kid Romeo. Yeah. Or uh, or Romeo think... Romeo Roma or. Uh... David Sierra, the
1: Cuban, who was also, I believe, the Cuban assassin, but yeah, Dave Sierra was, uh, and he was also one of the Black Scorpions, well, that's something we can do on our WCW podcast, the Black Scorpion.
0: Excellent, we'll go um, on to Tango. Then we go
1: to Tango, which is much more suited to Fandango. That's surely. more
0: similar, it rhymes with Fandango anyway, so we, we got away with Foxtrot and Tango for there are Fandango. You, uniform. I suppose uniform. Lots, of, lots of wrestlers have had uniforms, haven't they? They've wrestled oh, in a... Yeah. A something a, an army uniform or something like that, so that's fine. Great Ranger, Sergeant Craig Pittman. The
1: list is endless. Yeah, Vic, uh, Victor. victor. Uh, well, I remember
0: when well, you when you wrestle the match, you want to be the victor. To the victor uh-huh. goes the spoils. Was there not? Uh, I, I there want to say v- some a promoter v- called Victor Quinone yeah. Qu- Was it Victor Quinone. from from Puerto Rico. Is that right? is from
1: Puerto Rico. Yes, right. he, that's true. Um, then we have uh, W Whiskey. W. Whiskey. Well, we're, we're just going back to Jake the Snake, Jake, then, don't we? Jake the Snake and with um,
0: with um Jer- Jake uh, with uh, Jerry the King Lawler when he brought out his tag team partner Jack Daniels. Yeah. There's there's uh, uh, there's your whiskey. several wrestlers have had to have uh, X-rays. <laughs> <laughs> quite, quite a lot. Regular feature having a, an X-ray. Yank- yeah, se-
1: Yankee. Several um several uh, wrestlers, American wrestlers over in Britain,
0: were billed as the Mighty Yankee. Is that right? Okay, cool. Yeah, I was just I was thinking it could be um, Yankee was the um, uh, sort of a derogatory name for someone from the north, wasn't it? From the, if you were from the Confederate Army, you would say that about uh, those damn Yankees. So I bet that's been said by the Freebirds or uh, or Zeb Coulter or someone like that over the years. And Zulu. Um. um... Which was oh, <laughs> uh, a film that was set in South Africa, several years before the Truth Commission came along. It's,
1: it's tenuous, but we'll. we'll talk
0: <laughs> otherwise, otherwise we're looking at Kamala,
1: and that's really not very um, no, geographic no, close.
0: No, 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 nor we um, But um... Swallow- yes. Yeah, so so yeah. there you go. That's there we the go. <laughs> <alphabet>. <laughs> that's the or- NATO phonetic alphabet of the week. Thanks for
1: joining us. We never thought we'd we'd be discussing this. If Benson's (laughs) listening, he's been thinking, what the fuck are you doing with my podcast? And also, do
0: you know what we've done? We've done that without going um, Sierra, Hotel, India, Echo, Lima, Delta. Didn't even do The Shield with their... um... (laughs) There we go. So um, what did we miss? Juliet, I think. Juliet. So we need a Juliet. So if anyone listening, and you can think of a... A tenuous link to Juliet in a wrestling sense. Please, genuinely, please ring in. Cause I, oh, don't ring in, don't ring in, because it's not alive and kicking. Um, <laughs> <laughs> please uh, tweet Dean or me or or send it to Paul at... <clears throat> that's, that's what you should do. Send anything to do with anyone called Juliet to paul at hookedonevents.co.uk. I just want you to... Just, just send anything. It doesn't even have to be wrestling related. Just send lots of Juliet things. So quotes from Romeo and Juliet you know just say anything to soft what light you know what light yonder window breaks just send anything to Paul MVP, anything to do with Juliet, yeah,
1: Bravo, Juliet Bravo
0: from the TV that would be perfect as well Juliet Stevenson from Truly Madly Deeply I don't care send Juliet things to paul hooked on events dot dot UK right shall we talk some wrestling shall we yes we don't have to we I, can just talk yes, bollocks again I, for another another hour no, but uh, I did want I to ask you good. I wanted to ask you about so, SummerSlam
1: um, Sorry, I left a deliberate gap in there so I could uh, just quickly go to the toilet again because I've been drinking cider and I have uh, the diabetic bladder of a ten-year-old.
0: Okay, we can have a we can have a dean-related uh, cider, but I do what I do need to ask you though, is uh, what cider you've been drinking? Because this is, this is we, we do our regular a regular point on the podcast where we discuss what we're drinking.
1: Uh, well, could we could we pull could we we pause it and then go back to where you <laughs> left that little we left that little gap and we can do it Okay, again.
0: that's fine. Okay, off you, off you go. It sounds more professional that way. So it does, on yeah. On. Off you go. Right, uh, of course. What uh, Dean doesn't know is uh, I'm not actually going to pause hey! the podcast at this point, and uh, I don't know if you can still hear me or not. I'm actually going to keep talking throughout because I'll tell you this, dear listener, that it is an absolute ball Lake. Um, to find the point that we were uh, talking and had to stop and go and put in an edit point and put some sort of buffer in. I think I think this has happened with him once before, and I seem to recall that I played the uh, the Pearl and Dean music. So uh, so this has obviously only happened a couple of times before, and it has and happened with the uh, the Twisted Bladder. I mean the Twisted Genius Dean Ayer. So um, uh, I can tell you a little bit more about um, Dean's um, career over the uh, over the years. Um, if I could be bothered, but I can't. So I'll tell you a little bit more about uh, about hooked on wrestling. We had a fantastic time uh, at uh, SummerSlam. We had uh, 11 different venues, um, ten of which worked. Um, so if uh, if any of you are <laughs> that are listening in that uh, had anything to do with our, our Bournemouth show, um, we do um, offer our genuine, most sincere condolences that uh, things didn't go quite right with Bournemouth. Um, to be quite frank, um, we were let down by the venue, um, and there was an issue there. Hopefully, everyone has been. Uh, sorted, has been looked after um, if if you have anything to do with our Bournemouth show and have been uh, disappointed and do not feel like you've been there, sorted out recompensed etc, um, please do let us know, this is a genuine, you can send something to paul at UK or to uh, any of our um, outlets on social media, genuinely um, because uh, from the feedback we've had from our other 10 venues, can you believe we ran 11 venues, but our, our feedback from all the other venues has been Pretty much solidly positive, and so obviously Paul and I are both at London we're not a, at the other nine, but um all of the feedback from all of our hosts was uh, what a great time we had and um, We have a little whatsapp group between all the the hosts and admins, and on the night was getting some great feedback from uh, the likes of uh, Joanna Rose and SoCal Val and Doug Williams and others that were out uh, hosting all over the country and we want to thank them for doing an absolutely smashing job um Are you back yet from your um from your movements? I'm back. Yeah. Are you going to start the recording again? No, no. I just, I just filled in. We're, we're still going. Uh,
1: right, because, Oh, uh, uh, okay. So they, they all heard me um, relubricating my uh, anal beads.
0: No, no. And <laughs> they would have known nothing about that until you just said it, sir.
1: Oh man, what a giveaway! <laughs> God
0: damn it. Oh that, that got me. I to story, you know, it got me one right across the bowels. That one. Uh yeah. nice work. Okay, you can save this oh, by uh, you so it's we're going to segue from uh, anal beads to Braun Strowman. Um, well, I was going to say, to answer your question previously, that
1: I, I'm drinking uh, oh, yes. Thatcher's Hayes Cloudy Cider. Thatcher's Michael Hayes?
0: Les Thatcher's Michael <laughs> Hayes? Timothy Thatcher's Michael Hayes. <laughs> cloudy,
1: not to be confused with sun, but in the Cider. Uh, Somerset Cider. Doug Somerset Cider. Suicide,
0: uh, suicide Plancher.
1: Yes. Um, my God, what's going on with us? Uh, which is is I I rather got fond of cloudy cider over the summer, and I've bought this, and they've made it bloody fizzy, so you have to sort of wait for the bubbles to fizz away, fizz out. Um, because I you actually... know cloudy cider should look like a pint of piss.
0: Well, um, yes, and well, you just you just uh, sorted yourself out on that front as well. But I actually do have a bottle of um thatcher's haze in my fridge which i'm not drunk i've not had before i'm worried about all the um the sort of snow globe effect that's happening at the bottom of it i'm not sure if that's supposed to is that supposed to be there do you think well if it's cloudy i suppose perhaps it should i suppose it's just settled Seven, there i'm yeah. going to um this is uh, we're going to do live uh live cider tasting uh, on the podcast it does say on here dean you'll be happy to know that it does say um suitable for vegetarians vegans and celiacs so excellent um, Obviously, well, yeah. you're
1: a full-blown gluten spaz and I'm just a wheat spaz, so... Okay, uh... yeah,
0: that's the uh, thoughts there of uh, Dean A.S., the uh, twisted-bladder genius, and not, uh, not me. You can probably hear that uh, just fizzing up there in the background. This is my first ever taste of um, Les Thatcher's Michael Hayes um, with a hint of cloudy. Um, no, it tastes like Dean's piss. Let's carry on with the podcast. Um, that SummerSlam. Yeah, let's talk about uh, SummerSlam. We've only been going for about I don't know three quarters of an hour. Yeah, that's fine. Um, <laughs> I did mention Braun Strowman. I, I think let, let's talk about the main. Would you agree that the main event was the uh, the highlight of the show? The main event was absolutely tremendous.
1: It was brilliant. Um, it was head and shoulders above anything else on the show. It had the crowd buzzing the whole way through. It was a stunt show. It was crash bang wallop it was brilliant absolutely great it was you know with with four man or th- yeah three-way four-way matches you got the capacity to have big spots and then one person's out of the equation for a bit you know with a four-way you got even more chance of that and i thought they they pulled it off magnificently it was a brilliant match
0: we talked before the pay-per-view itself um on the last pay-per-view that we recorded myself and mr benson we talked about this main event in specific and that one of the great things about it was not just the fact that the uh, the four guys that were you know were going into it all had something behind them you know they all had a, a story they all had something you could care about whether or not it was you can argue to your blue in the face about whether or not roman should be a heel and you know is braun Strowman a baby face and what about lesnar and people cheer for joe even though he's a heel blah 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 blah, blah. the point is that everyone it feels cares about the four one way or another and yeah, also we, well, were, we were finding it hard to predict a winner I and mean, there was obviously that, um, that extra little sideline about whether or not Brock Lesnar was going to um, stick around whether or not Brock Lesnar was going to um, quote unquote quit because of uh, what Paul Heyman had said on Raw and I think it led a lot of people to believing that Lesnar wasn't going to win. Did it enhance your enjoyment of the match that you were watching it thinking I don't know who's going to win this? Well, seeing as I was
1: watching this before John Jones failed his drugs test, then there was definitely um, the element of yeah, not knowing who would who would win. Plus, the fact that you know, as the commentators themselves emphasised, Rock Lesnar did not have to be involved in the winning fall um, to lose the belt. So yeah, you could easily see, for example, Roman Reigns pinning Samoa Joe to win the belt, and, and that would protect. Lesnar while Luke taking the belt off him so out of every, I've got to say out of all the results I was the most surprised at the fact that Lesnar had, had won it
0: Yeah we definitely, we covered a lot of ground on the uh, the podcast before um before SummerSlam and I'm sure that uh, I could find a way right now, if I could remember what I said four weeks ago um, I'm sure I could find a way of saying I told you so because I think at some point on that I predicted all of them to win um but I, I it doesn't matter about you know we we specifically try not to do a big match by match prediction by prediction preview of all these pay per views because a it doesn't really matter what we think and b you know let's let's face it the it's much more interesting to talk about the outcome than it is to uh, you know predict what's going to actually happen because you know unless you're having a, a little bet on the uh, on the event in which we uh, again we talked about last time uh, we rather hate that because you pretty much always will go on and when you see that uh, there's a an eight man ladder match between seven very good wrestlers and Zack Ryder, uh, and then you realise that Zack Ryder is about one to eight to win. You think someone's probably had a tip off here, and it ruins it. So, um, so I think that um, you know we're all trying to stay away from those uh, those spoilers as much as we can. But uh, I am led to believe that uh, there were a few. You know, didn't necessarily go as they were supposed to go, as far as their uh, SummerSlam goes, which is a, uh, which is something that's good to hear. Um, the but... old
1: smart money, as they say. Well, it always used to be the the Reddit guy, wasn't it? On the, yeah, uh, pink side that would would put things down, but. Yeah, and and you know, talking about you know Reigns going heel, I guess we'll get onto this later. But you know, the whole Cena Reigns feud, the dynamic of that, I've found that absolutely fascinating as well. I'm sure we'll come on to that later.
0: Yeah, I do want to talk about that in uh, in, in just a wee bit. But um, you know, one, just going back to the the four guys that are in this main event, there was only really one way they could do this match, wasn't there? They could only really go in your face, smash mouth. I don't think they can do this very often. I worry because of the because of the who they do have in the. Uh, the higher echelons at the moment that they might feel the need to go to this you know a little bit more often than they need to with the, the kind of demol- did you call it a demolition derby earlier on but it was you know did that sort of that sense of I, I did but total it certainly,
1: wrecking. Um, it's certainly an appropriate way of describing it because yeah it was just you yeah, know it was high impact visual
0: yeah demolition derby yeah Yeah. yeah. it was um uh, it was yeah, just yeah, the total car crash nature of it. I don't think you can go to that too often, but uh, for what it was, um, I it was a, they, they did it very well.
1: Yeah, it's you know, SummerSlam, second biggest show of the year. You want to do something special, that's when you do it. You're not going to do it on an episode of Raw. You're not going to do it on you know the December pay per view or something like that. So it, it was it was fantastic. And yeah, the great thing with it as well was I, mean, I, I tweeted after I, I actually. Um, I ended up watching it the next morning um, and I tweeted while I finished watching the main event, you know, brilliant match and also the fact that they, they've they've perfectly set up uh, Lesnar against Strowman when they were to do that down the line. I did not expect them to be doing it at the very next pay-per-view and we have now got the most loaded B-show in history um, but you know that is a, what they've done is similar to what they had with Lesnar against Joe they have got a genuinely appealing genuinely intriguing never seen before main event which is I think going to draw the numbers
0: Uh, it it really should do Um, I think that um, I I recall various moments in the past Um, I'm trying to work out exactly what year it would have been but it was something like 1990 maybe even 89 um, where there was a spot in the Royal Rumble where basically everyone was thrown out left right and centre and it left Hogan and Warrior and I think it was 90s, so it would know, been b- before there. Six was WrestleMania Six was in
1: 1990, and yeah. that was the Rumble that led up to it.
0: Okay, there you are then. So um, there was that moment where you realised it was just those two, and they looked at each other, and they did a sort of stupid crisscross thing. Um, but um, then there was another moment where I think it was in 2001. I wanted to say they'd have had lots of battles along the road to that point but there was a point in the Royal Rumble 2001 where Austin and Rock were in opposite corners and I think Austin had blood coming down his face and Jim Ross did one of his fantastic calls and he said they've locked eyes and then you got a bit of an Austin Rock thing, which was always a, a good thing, bringing it back to we modern day. Done, we had
1: last well a couple of months ago Money in the Bank. We had um, AJ Styles and uh, and old knackers locking eyes from a, from across the opposite end of the ladder, and the crowd
0: popped for that big time. Good point, I and mean, that's a, it's a it's an excellent way of you know judging your crowd as to what they want to see better than uh, Scott Hall could ever have done on his surveys. Um, <laughs> It's, it's a perfect way of evaluating what people want and I thought there were moments in that Fatal 4 way where you got Lesnar and Reigns looking at each other nothing you got Joe and Reigns little bit you got Reigns and um, Stroman maybe and then you got Strowman and Lesnar and the place went oh yeah. and there was an audible wow and then you got to see Strowman battering Lesnar and putting him through tables and then Lesnar came back and you had that real palpable. I want to see these guys hit each other again, and it yeah. just it and felt it was... like a big juggernaut thing. And um, the fact that they had Roman Reigns take the fall and not Joe yeah. was interesting. Um, yeah. but, it, what, but But the... The,
1: the commentators, especially Corey Graves, did such a good job of just putting across how you know. Strowman was manhandling and I think Corey Graves said no monster handling Lesnar you know, like no one had ever seen him before mm. they'd put Joe over a couple of months ago as like the guy who had shown no fear towards Lesnar and that was something different and with Strowman they've basically said not only is there no fear but he's got the physical advantage over Lesnar which not many people have had
0: here's someone I want to give um, WWE a lot of credit for again I said this in the air. Uh... The podcast that we did before SummerSlam, but I want to bring it up again, is there are various shows, and they can be uh, New Japan, they can be Ring of Honor, they could be TNA, they could be local British shows, and I think often they make the mistake of throwing too much at you during the show, uh, and by the end of the night you're burnt out. Now WWE go way too long on these kind of shows. You know, it's basically like a six-hour show if you include all the pre-show as well, which is a long, long time. However, What I will say is if they are going to continue to do that, what they did very well at SummerSlam was stack the card with a whole bunch of singles wrestling matches or tag team wrestling matches and not 13 matches in a night where seven of them have got some mad gimmick or other. They knew that their main event was going to be four absolutely massive bastards smashing into one another and going through tables and you know, and chairs and going through the barricade and all that kind of stuff. So, what they did very smartly was basically just have a series of wrestling matches in the build up to that. So, when yeah. Strowman was going through a table, he wasn't the third man to do it that evening. You know, when someone was crashing through the barriers, we hadn't already seen, you know, the Hardys going through tables and the Dudleys putting people through tables and other people taking bumps on barbed wire and whatever nonsense you might have during an evening. We had match, match, match. I think the only nonsense you had, and it really was nonsense was um, Enzo and his bloody stupid shark cage and
1: Yeah getting exactly. out
0: of it and then losing anyway and whatever nonsense that was and
1: It seems I'm, very strange to build up to all this of him slipping out the cage and then literally the moment he gets out of the cage he's booted in the face yeah. and he's out of the equation. But you know, it's something you know, it's something that we do um in IPW UK for our um especially for our live show where we've got um a guy who is a a got he's a, a still a current wrestler um who is a pretty much like the agent and he will go through people's matches with them to make sure that match one doesn't have the same finish as match three or the same big spot as match two you know and therefore you make sure that you're giving people something different for each
0: each match mm-hmm. yeah i mean this it's a it seems to me to be necessary. I can't believe that every company wouldn't do it because you just think, you know, if you were sat there in a, you know, in a in a pub quiz or something, or you're in a, even just answering questions when you're at school, and someone says something and you had written down, you go, oh, they've said it first. And it's like whoever said it first is going to get the jump on you. So it doesn't matter if you're the main event and you've got this amazing spot planned. If someone else does it earlier in the night, people are going to go, yep, seen it. And actually, the uh, the benefit to you is to be on earlier, isn't it? And which shouldn't necessarily be the aim in life or wrestling. So, um, yes, if there's someone in there that can go, uh, sorry, lads, in the match two, but our main event's doing that, so you have to find a, a more creative way of doing it. Um, I think that's understandable. And sometimes people get a little bit upset about, oh, they're, they're making them open the show, or they're putting them in this position on the show, and it's like, well everyone has their position and everyone has to play it well it's like not everyone gets to play centre forward some people have to play right back and if the right back clears the ball off the line and you win 1-0 then he's just as important as the guy that scored the winning goal so it's I think yeah. um, learning to work as a team and you know do things in the right manner is a huge huge part of wrestling that's, uh, that people don't yeah. necessarily realise which again coming back to your experience um, you're not the one necessarily that's uh, coming off the top rope and winning the title in the main event, but I'm sure you'd have been the person that's done something along the night to facilitate someone going away happy.
1: Well, you yeah, know, as a, as a commentator, my job is to enhance the viewer's experience by adding another dimension or adding another layer of the experience, you know. Um, that's what a good commentator does.
0: and uh, And so do yeah. you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, how yeah, think of mankind's bump off the top of the cage in Hell in the Cell at King of the Ring in 1997? Ni- whatever it was, everyone remembers that bump. Everyone also remembers, Good God Almighty, he's broken in half. As God's my witness, yeah. he's broken in half. You know, it adds another layer to it. Um, but you know not, what I was going to say there as well is that. That being in the opening match is a huge responsibility, a huge responsibility. That Pete and 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 it seems to be within some people with with some people and within some circles like it's some kind of of punishment
0: and curtain jerking.
1: Yeah, and it's totally it is it's just it's so not the case, or at least how I see it. And yeah, when I the few shows that I've booked, I've I've always made sure there's a strong match to start with because. I always think, the way I always think is, you know, you've got to think about if you've got someone, and this is is especially important for a live event where, you know, people could be wandering off the street for a night out, you've got to think if these people have never seen British wrestling before or have never seen this company before, their first impression... Well, the, the first impression they're going to get is of seeing the ring and seeing the the, the ring set up. Then you've got you know the ring announcer welcoming you to the, the show and how that comes across. But the most important first impression is that opening match. And so you know if you get two guys who don't look the part, who don't know how to work the crowd, who can't work together well, who, who have a piss poor match, whatever, then you know that person's mind might be made up of this isn't very good. I'm not going to bother coming back again. So you've really got to create a good first impression. You know, for, so that, that's for the people who are there for the first time. And then for the people who are your regulars or people who know what to expect, giving them a really good opening match sets their expectations up. It tells them, oh, I'm in for a good night. So whatever way you want to look at it, the opening match is, is vitally important.
0: It is, and uh, at the opening match at Summerslam, I think many of us were probably quite surprised to hear the first strike of music at the start of Summerslam was that of John Cena's. And the, uh, if yeah. if anyone, you know, gets to open a show, you know, and it's Cena, that, that shows you that anyone uh, could be asked to do it. But it does bring us on to, you know, you mentioned it before that we did want to talk about it. Um, let's do it now. Um, Cena brought that very thing up. Um, when they're uh, talking to Roman Reigns in the ring on Raw a couple of weeks ago um, in what was described as a, a somewhat fourth wall breaking um, <laughs> exchange between the two. <laughs> so much so that Cena actually I think at one point said goodbye fourth wall or hello fourth yeah. wall or or and, something uh, like that. Uh, which Park I thought uh, was a...
1: himself in the corner of the ring. Not yeah, just...
0: I thought was a little bit derivative of the old uh, CM Punk I'm breaking the fourth wall. Um but what did you think? What did you think of um, that one in particular? I'm talking about the one two roars ago, um, yeah. the 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 uh, the Reigns and Cena uh, interaction. They've had a little bit before that and some since. But well, um, how do you go on that, uh, that 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 second you know really big altercation, the contract signing, as it were?
1: It had the feeling of something special. Yeah, you know, like we've been talking about when the crowd saw. Lesnar facing off with Strowman or Styles facing off with Nakamura. The, it was, you know, all eyes were on that ring really. and there was no one going to buy Candy Floss or going for a piss break. Everyone was watching because it felt like something special. It felt like a little bit of one generation against another because you had... And, you know, the, the, the actual the, the course of the promos was, was quite... Similar to what I think a lot of people were thinking. There is the guy who has been the franchise player of WWE for the past decade or so. Um, the mainstream guy. I mean, he Jesus Christ, I walked past a croc shop the other week and there's a picture of John Cena in a pair of crocs advertising them in the front of their shop. Um, you know, he's mainstream. He's hosting Saturday Night Live, he's in movies. And then you've got the guy who Vince wants to be his next big thing who isn't quite clicking yet and it was like the passing of the torch except for the torch wasn't being passed the torch was being dangled in front of Roman Reigns and he can't quite reach it it was fascinating um, and yeah we're talking about Roman Reigns and is he turning heel or not as much as the crowd boo John Cena I think that's kind of a lot of that is playful if that's the right word, but it's done with it's done with some respect. Whereas it's a different kind of booing for Roman Reigns. And and actually if anything is gonna turn the crowd even more against him, I think it's gonna be it's gonna be this program because the crowd are clearly siding with Cena. And I also don't really think it matters if he's a heel or a face that much because Like we said earlier, I think it was one thing Rick Rude said once, the worst thing in the world when it comes to pro wrestling is indifference. So long as people are reacting one way or the other, we are now in an environment really where so long as people are reacting, it doesn't really matter if they're cheering or booing. You know, you can pay for a ticket to boo Roman Reigns, you can pay for a ticket to cheer Roman Reigns, so long as you pay for a ticket.
0: That's why and you know, Rick Rude there is paraphrasing uh, Oscar Wilde um, That's not Oscar from Men on the Mission That we talked about earlier Neither is it um, Wildman Mark Merrow Or anything that happened at Hog Wild. But Oscar Wilde um, Who I believe said something along the lines of uh, The only thing worse than being talked about Is not being talked about yes uh, and and
1: Oscar once said what I'd like to have right now is for all you West London sweat hogs <laughs> keep the noise down while I take my wig off and show you all what a real man
0: is supposed to look like he was good Oscar wasn't he he was Lovely. good he was absolutely excellent the uh, the beast of Chaney Walk um, he, uh, I think um, I, <laughs> I think that there's a a good case for that and a bad case for that I think you can't have that happening too often I think there's a little case of you know the week before that, where you had The Miz out there and you had Cena and Reigns and a missing one. Who else was out? Oh, Joe. And you had the two baby faces, is how they're booked, Cena and Reigns, were getting booed and you had um, Joe was being cheered more than anyone and he's meant to be the biggest badass and then you had Miz getting a broadly positive reaction, mainly because he was up against Cena and Reigns. And it's actually Miz is quite a good heel and is effective at getting people to boo him, but people respect yeah. him enough to go, "Well, we quite like you." So against Cena and Reigns, the is, Miz, and it was like this is broken. This is totally the wrong them. way around This is entirely yeah. broken. You can get I'm away with it in the four man environment because I actually think that they there is no clear way of defining what Lesnar is because he's unique, and there's no real clear way of defining what Strowman is because although Strowman's been booked like a heel. He kind of gets cheered in the same way that Austin turning, used to. Yeah, so,
1: he's turning more babyface. I mean, Senior even referenced the respect that people have for the Miz and the respect he has for the Miz in that promo the following week. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Um, I think you know people have always liked Joe. Um, I always remember when he was in TNA. Um, and quite often we'd have a we'd have a chat after the show the, there'd be a, a post- show party that we'd be at and um, and you know he would always say to me I get such a good reaction in the UK much better reaction than elsewhere and I, I said it's basically because people recognize that he always puts a shift in he always gives it a hundred percent and he's got a believable character he's he's kind of like to me the Stuart Pierce of wrestling you know. <laughs>
0: See, see, I was going football, and I was trying to think of who I would go to, and unfortunately for uh, for Joe, I was going James Milner. <laughs> <laughs> and I want to point out, I'm a big, I'm a big fan of James Milner, and I think he's a hugely underrated footballer. Before anyone thinks I'm slagging Joe off, but uh, do, you,
1: uh, do you follow boring James Milner on uh, Twitter? I do.
0: He's very funny. He's very funny indeed. <laughs>
1: Best Twitter, or best parody accounts. Yeah. But basically, you know, people have that respect for him, and that that reaction has tra- that transferred to to NXT, and that's transferred to the main roster. And it's the same with 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 Strowman. He is, and the same with Lesnar. I suppose that you know when these people are booked as monsters, people are want gonna want to get behind them because they like what they see. And yeah, Lesnar is this unique case because everything about Lesnar should be a heel, he doesn't care about anyone else, he doesn't really care about the business, he's in it for himself, he's got a gobshite heel manager for God's sake, everything points heel, but people just like him, um, and again, as so long as people are reacting, it doesn't really matter, if... if people are cheering you or booing you if some are doing one and some are doing the other you can still flog some t-shirts at the end of the day so yeah, that's added money added merchandise
0: before we recorded this podcast we had a little chat off air as we mentioned earlier on Uh, one of the other things we talked about was I made a reference to uh, that there's a part of one of Mick Foley's books I think it's his second one in which he talks about The Wizard of Oz and he discusses um, who is the babyface in The Wizard of Oz. Is it actually Dorothy who you're on the quest with, even when you find out that Dorothy actually has killed two people? Or is the babyface actually the Wicked Witch of the West who is all she's doing is trying to get revenge for an unlawful killing? Mm. Uh, I've actually discussed that with Mick Foley on, uh, on the Long uh, Distant Wrestlecast podcast which I did years ago. However, what Dean doesn't know that I'm going to spring on him now because I've only just thought of it, is um, have you seen the original Terminator film? A long time ago, yes. Who's the babyface? Who's the baby face um, in the first Terminator film?
1: Linda Connor, is it? Uh, that Linda
0: Li- Li- Linda Hamilton who plays Sarah Connor. Oh, Sarah Connor. Yeah, but she's just a bit of a sort of lily-livered. Doesn't really understand what's going on. Bit of a wreck, though, isn't she? You know, you no one would want to be Linda Connor in Terminator. So what about Michael Bean's character? You know, the one that's sent back into the into the past to you know to protect her. He ends up sleeping with her and ends up being the father to his grandson or whatever the hell. I don't understand how it all works. Um, I can't do time travel stuff. But you, don't re- do you do you remember him? Do you remember Michael Bean? Not really. He ends up being the grandfather to his own... Oh, it's some weird thing about how... I think actually he might be the far. I think he might be his dad's father or something weird. It's, doesn't, it's a it's a weird time travel thing. They don't work these films. Are you thinking of Joseph Fritzl? <laughs> oh, that's your answer to everything. Um, <laughs> uh, but uh, anyway, it doesn't matter. But anyway, you don't remember Michael Bean because he's a bit of a kind of a. I don't even know what his character's name is. He's a bit of a drip and whatever. All you remember is Arnie, don't you? Yeah. You remember Arnie? I will need your clothes, your motorcycle. Right? All you, all you remember. He's got about 19 lines yeah. in that film. He kills, I think, more people than he um, lines he speaks. Or you think it's, it's the name of the film? He's the one that's the star of it. He's the one that's on the front of the franchise. You want to be Arnie. You don't want to be Michael Bean. You don't want to be Sarah Connor. You want to be Arnie. And they realised this, because to actually terminate the first film was reasonably low budget for a Hollywood film. But the second film was a huge Hollywood blockbuster because they knew they were onto something. So they had a lot more of a budget. It's nowhere near as good as the first one. But... Arnie's the baby face in the second one they've worked it out oh. and they've sent back a different Terminator to protect by this point she's actually a better baby face as well because she's now trained up and she's a tough nut because she's been in this insane asylum. Oh, the t two thousand. ah yes but he's a good heel because he gets split apart and then gets back together and you don't know how you're going to beat him that's a good heel he's a nasty piece of work he's called Robert Patrick isn't he he's a, he's a nasty piece of work so they've got it right they've got the casting right by the second one even though it's not quite as good a film Arnie is always the baby face and they got it wrong on the other two and it's like Joe is Arnie I don't care how you're going to play Joe and they tried in TNA to make him a heel and they tried to have him you know have the um the tattoos on his face and you know carry a knife about and what well, I forget what they called him but it wasn't a one warrior nation because that was the warrior but it was some sort of you know thing was it, what was it it was something some some sort of Oh, one in. man army or something it was some some sort of thing like that but it just didn't work because everyone just went but that's Joe and we like him why are you making It's just in the same way that when they made AJ the second coming of the Nature Boy and everyone was just going why are you making AJ Ric Flair we want to cheer for AJ being AJ and I never thought that Bischoff got it I mean I've, I've always been understood I've always understood it was Bischoff that was behind those moves and it was like Bischoff had to put his own stamp on things and try and make them something that they weren't and actually a year down the line, they weren't drawing as good a ratings as they were a year before when they weren't spending, you know, a quarter of the money. And oh. people just didn't quite realise what they were on And actually, it wasn't Joe or AJ's fault. It was the presentation of the whole brand that wasn't getting anywhere. And now, look, eight, nine years down the line, Joe and AJ are positioned on television reasonably well and are huge stars. Now, we're saying about Joe being not quite, you know, put right. In the old WWF... You know, way of doing things. Joe could have been an unbelievable heel. You know, in the in the late '80s, early '90s, when I wouldn't say kayfabe ruled, but you went certainly when you had, you know, Jake the Snake, Million Dollar Man style heels. You really could have brought Joe in as a nasty, nasty piece of work, and been a genuine, credible heel for many, many years. Mm. These days, he's too respected, and I just don't think you can get enough and it's the same with Owens I think they're just too respected by the audience but maybe just maybe the way to go is the kind of I hate to say tweener but maybe the the shades of grey is the way to go and just build up a whole bunch of people and let them fight and as long as you yeah. quite like them as long as you quite respect them does it matter who wins see yeah the, the, the <coughs> thing is you know, if, you, if you do it like
1: that like I've always said my philosophy on wrestling has always been that the most important thing in any company is the the main belt, so the the world title, the universal championship, whatever it is. So, if you've got two heels fighting for the belt because the heel one heel is a champion and one heel has made themselves number one contender, then so be it. Um, going back to to Premier Promotions, the old school promotion in Sussex that I've worked for. I mean, I've been going to their shows, you know, when, before I was even in uh, in the business as a fan, and I've been, you know, I've, I've attended shows that I've not been working on because they're literally down the road from me. They've had tournaments for title belts where you've had two baby faces and two heels, and one baby face faces one heel, and the other baby face faces the other heel in the semi final, and the first match, the heel goes over. So everyone's then assuming, oh, well, the baby face will go over the second match. And so just to mix it up, the promoters made the baby the, the second heel win as well. You've got two heels facing each other for the title. The title is therefore the most important thing because it's just they happen to be the two people in line. And every single time it's ever happened, the crowd very quickly... Choose who they want to get behind. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never seen it once where they've been sat on their hands because oh we don't like either of these. It's like we like this guy but we or we hate this guy but we hate the other guy more so we're going to cheer you. Um, Which is
0: effectively I, what they're going with with the the Reigns and Cena thing, isn't it? With a certain yeah. part of the audience, the assumption is, well they might hate Cena but they hate Reigns more so they're going to cheer for John Cena. Um, it's so- I would use I would use an, an overused football analogy or well, overused for this podcast anyway, that we, we go to football too often. But if you're let's say it's the end of the season and Jose Mourinho's Manchester United have been unbeaten through most of the season, but Jurgen Klopp's Liverpool make a surge towards the end and on the second to last week of the season it's Manchester United versus Liverpool, first versus second, effectively a title decider, and you're an Everton fan and you've got Liverpool and Man United so you've got or you're a Man City fan or you know or or it could be Man City versus Liverpool and you're a Man United fan so you hate City and you hate Liverpool you know who do you choose the point is is that if those two teams are both excellent teams that have been great to watch all year you'll still watch it and I think in that situation you know Man City fans would side with Man United because of Manchester and Everton fans would side with Liverpool because it's Liverpool and you'd kind of have a little bit of a turf war because you'd support your own city rather than support any other lot. But I don't know, I shouldn't speak for people about who they would support. But the point is, is that it's not quite the same if, let's say, no offence to these two teams, but if Stoke and West Ham both have a decent season, neutrals are not going to go, oh, I really, really hope this. Whereas a couple of years ago, everyone became a Leicester fan Mm. Because that was the big baby face story, wasn't it? That was the big underdog babyface story and everyone if they, if you even if you supported, you know, Man United or Arsenal or Liverpool or Tottenham or whoever, if your team wasn't gonna win it, you kinda of hoped that Leicester were gonna because they were the story. So yeah. they had the big babyface story behind them, but it's all about caring. It's all about caring. And if it's just a very boring, you know, stride to the title by one team or it's a team that plays terrible football that's not very interesting to watch or or there aren't so many good players around. you're going to lose it, aren't you? So I, I'm yeah. becoming less and less convinced that it's about baby faces and heels, and more about as long as people are invested. And this is the problem, oh, I think. On the say, sp- emotional investment is yeah. what it's all about. And I think it's the problem on the SmackDown side is that people are not invested in Jinder Mahal. Now, it might be that it's a, it's still a big, you know, if they if they've just you know tripled their television deal in India, and you know their you know their ratings over there are you know point eight of a billion you know then maybe they're doing the right thing and maybe sod everyone else if we can make our Indian expansion and if that's where they can make their money good for them I'd do it and all but- well I read a, an interesting fact that um,
1: I've only caught up so far with one episode of the May Young classic but uh, the WWE YouTube channel they had some clips um, like yeah, you know, little tasters of, of some matches um, from the from the May Young classic and one of the matches involved, um, I think her name is Kavita Devi. She's the uh, an Indian representative, uh, the only Indian representative in the um, in the tournament, who apparently says that she owes all her training, and everything she knows, to the great Khali. So I'll leave you to insert your own punchline. But um, I think I'm right in saying that they said that the the total number of views for the the, the top the top viewing figure for like the second most viewed match was was something like you know 200,000 views and the Kavita Devi match was 1.4 million views
0: right okay point taken
1: so, yeah so it's just there it is a, a huge huge audience out there um so they they have a clear strategy
0: i sort of wish they'd found a better way of making uh, of making Jinder an entertaining character is there, is there a reason they couldn't have tried to make him a baby face could they not have told a story over a longer period of time where we all get behind this hard working guy and he gets some wins you know because what's happening is I understand why they're pushing him from a, a worldwide perspective but actually he's not that good and all of his matches are ending in exactly the same way and you've got this real right. horrible bubble of I don't care I didn't care very much about a Shinsuke Nakamura match which is just no. to me is nonsense and people are slagging off Nakamura since he's been oh he's not quite lived up to it he's not been allowed to he's not had the positioning and he's not had the opponents I mean, he had a match with Cena on, Raw, on Smackdown they gave him time and it was amazing he has yes. a match with um, Z- Zayn on an NXT and it's amazing the guy's absolutely insanely good they just haven't put him in a position yet for him for him to be amazingly good. If they do do AJ Styles versus Shinsuke Nakamura at WrestleMania, it will be the best match of WrestleMania, without a single Absolutely. shadow of a doubt. There's just Absolutely. it's not even it's not even a contest. Yeah. So Yeah. I mean the thing the
1: thing that that annoys me and, and just makes me feel aggravated regarding Jinder Mahal is that basically the they are doing a nineteen eighties angle with him. He his character is pure eighties, it's pure Iron Sheik and Nikolai Volkov. And we've kind of the world has moved and wrestling and the world has moved on from there. For sure, for sure. Um and I don't know if the fear is that Americans an American audience wouldn't necessarily get behind an Indian champion, an American or Canadian Indian champion who who displays his heritage because at the end of the day the majority of the people in that country did vote for Donald Trump and therefore they do have a slightly skewed view of the world, I don't know but then it's, it's safer for Vince McMahon to play him as a heel in the xenophobic angle because he knows the reaction that will get, as sad as it makes me feel to say that um, I completely agree that he could have been going back to the football analogy he could have been the Indian Leicester City he could <laughs> have been the guy yeah do you remember me from being that job or do you remember me from being in 3M, 3MB M three well look at me now I've been working really really hard wink wink um, to get this physique like this Dean D- D- gonna... D- D- yeah. who's the NXT champion? who's the NXT champion? um that would be the, uh, the Scottish Jinder Mahal it,
0: it, it, every single thing that you just said there applies to Drew McIntyre that's a very good point every single thing very 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 good point not, not Heath Slater or um, Pelvis Smedley it. or whatever they called him the other day but um, it's uh, it, it all, that all applies to, um, to what they've done with McIntyre so they know the story but McIntyre happens to be a white guy so you know, it's uh, maybe it's just easier to um, to have him do that rather than it is to do uh, Jinder. Although I rather like the uh, the American xenophobia of uh, of booing the brown guy in a match when you would have a, uh, a match against the Japanese guy, who I seem to remember the Japanese have been at war a little bit more recently with America than India have.
1: <laughs> so or indeed indeed Canada. I mean, this is the company. This is the company. Who did the same Russian, Iran xenophobic angle with uh, uh, Tony Howell, what was it? Ludwig Borger, who was from Finland. <laughs> when have Finland ever
0: hurt anyone? You ooh, know. Ooh, <laughs> oh, you say that. What, what side were Finland on in the Second World War? I'm not. Con- I'm not convinced about that. Well, fin- I think Finland might. Have, but were they? Were they that we're going to go into a. Uh, I don't know. Uh, they were doing a Simon Sharma thing here, but I'm not certain that Finland weren't a little bit involved in the World War 2 were they not? I think they might have been there. Uh... Is oh, this I, a bit.
1: Uh, I uh, tell you, I've got a history degree and I haven't got a clue what the answer to that question is.
0: Oh, uh, history degree.
1: History.
0: Did, did, did you do every single bit of history that's ever happened? No, no, but I did
1: uh, the 21st century. But I didn't actually. No. I didn't cover the war itself. You see, I just covered the. the oh, all the
0: reasons for the build-up. The, yeah. The,
1: the build, I basically. I was the. Uh, I was essentially René Young. I did the pre-show and the post-show, but not the show itself. Uh, I'm just looking up Finland, World War Two. Yeah, it's, I'm. Uh,
0: I'm. I'm ahead. I'm ahead of you. Finland participated. This is Wikipedia. Finland participated in three major conflicts during World War II, all related to ongoing hostilities between Finland and the expansionist Soviet Union. As the Soviet Union changed allegiances from supporting Nazi Germany to battling the Nazis, it's placed to Finns in an unusual situation of being for, then against, then for the overall interest of the Allied Powers. The Allied Powers, that is, not the tag team of Lex Luger yeah. and Davy Boy Smith. It's, it's, oh. um, so but essentially, it's too uh, it's too complicated and too sensitive an issue to be talking about on a lightweight knockabout podcast. Um, and this really is a, a, a program for uh, for Simon Sharma or one of those lads. And, so basically, uh, what not
1: saying was they, were, they were baby faces, then they were heels, then they were baby faces.
0: Only because the uh, the Soviet Union were essentially cool heels, or they, no, no, they were. Were they? Were, see, was the Soviet Union a cool heel, or no? I think they're on our side, so they were probably a Roman Reigns. They're they're a faces, but we don't want them to be, I suppose, because we had to have Stalin was on our side, so he's a he's a baby face, but we don't like him. So uh, this has and got they, weird. This has got weird but um, then after
1: the war they went totally healed and they built a massive stable around them <laughs> yes <laughs> that, that all fell apart but do you know what moving by back by the way today.
0: so I'm just going to do one more quick thing because we're, we're never going to talk I feel like this is going, I'm being Conrad again from uh, something to wrestle mm-hmm. with I don't know when we're going to talk about Louvid Borger again so <laughs> right. well I don't really like Formula 1 anymore but I used to quite like Formula 1 when I was a kid and I always used to think it was kind of, when, when Mika Hakkinen uh, or one of those like, I think Mika Hakkinen was the only one really two of I know mean, there was Räikkönen in years there I mean, years yeah. on but Räikkönen was a bit older then but when Mika Hakkinen used to win races and his his uh, his national anthem would play I could pick out the Finnish national anthem because to me it was Ludwig Borger's <laughs> entrance music <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes yes that's, that's uh, Mika Hakkinen and Ludwig Borger to the same music
1: he, uh, he later became uh, he was an MMA fighter, a member of uh, parliament in Finland, and then he topped himself.
0: Yeah, brilliant! What a yeah. uh, what a great career. Oh, well, yeah. And of course, there was the other um, there was that other um, uh, that other motor racing driver that uh, that Jeff Beck sang about, wasn't there? And it's Kova Koverlinen. Anyway. Um moving on. I don't know I've got into uh singing about Formula 1 stars here on the uh hooked on podcast. Come back Paul. I've gone insane. Um <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> I, don't, tangent, Rob. I don't know what's happening to me. I'm getting it's sort of infected. It's a little bit like when uh when uh um Katerina went into um TNA as Winter and she sort of like she spooked out Angelina Love, didn't she? And then sort of brainwashed yeah. her. I sort of feel like you are the Winter. And I'm um, Angelina Love, although my tits are more real. <laughs> is that a fair comparison? Yeah, let's go with that, yeah. Yeah, okay. How? By the way, what a trick she missed. Actually, she was too early, wasn't she? Doing that gimmick. Because think about it now. With the whole, I, I don't watch Game of Thrones, but even I know there's all a thing of Winter is Coming in Game of Thrones. Imagine if she'd have been Winter then. What, what TNA and Vince Russo could have done with Winter is Coming? Oh, my God. Hey, that's, you know. that's a worry, isn't it? Oh, anyway, right. Back on track. Reigns versus Cena. Um, is this an indication... Also, so I'll, so I'll go with um, Strowman and Lesnar as well. Is this an indication about a couple of things that WWE are not going to do for WrestleMania? Because I would suggest that Strowman, Lesnar and Reigns and Cena could easily be your top two matches at WrestleMania. Now let's see how they how they portray no mercy and how much they build those two matches up but I genuinely think that could easily be matches 1 and 2 at WrestleMania if they wanted it to be. So well, the, yeah the plan
1: I'd always heard for, for a long yeah you know, for probably the
0: best part of this calendar year has been
1: uh, Reigns against Lesnar with Reigns going over clean this year at WrestleMania or next year the, the 2018 WrestleMania because yeah. you know him basically the the fact that he has beat, the only two people to have ever beaten The Undertaker at Wrestlemania will clash at another Wrestlemania. Yeah, makes sense. Um, whether you need a title for that or not, I don't know. I don't necessarily think you do. But, um, it's, yeah, it's it's just, as I said, it's the most loaded B-show in history. It's, it's looking huge.
0: It does look that way. Um, There was some buzz knocking around uh, last week that um, there's been more references to Undertaker in the last six weeks or so um, on TV, just sort of haphazard here and there, but um, explicitly, I think for the first time, Roman Reigns told everyone that he retired The Undertaker. I think people on on commentary had been saying The Undertaker who we think may have retired who we haven't seen since WrestleMania he laid his boots down, has he retired that was what they were were doing it as if we don't know, Reigns said I retire The Undertaker and Cena said something along the lines of yeah well you can beat middle aged you know, past it has been middle aged guys with one hip or whatever it was he said Mm -hmm. and I thought some people went, the fact that Reigns has mentioned that, blah 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 and I more went that seems a, a weird thing to, for Cena to say. Like, I mean, I'm sure that would have been run by Undertaker. That doesn't sound like the kind of thing that they would have a dig about him. But, you know, as much as people might want to think this was one big giant shoot last week, I imagine it was more more overwritten than. Not overwritten, because that sounds like a slag off. But I bet that was written more carefully yeah, than yeah. anything in months. I bet there were times where they went off on their own little ad libs But I bet basically the structure of that was very, very carefully scripted over a long period of time. So I can't imagine Cena would have ad-libbed a line burying Undertaker to that degree. So is that, and we've been talking about it for years and years, is that a pretty big marker along the road to Undertaker versus Cena? Do you know what? I
1: really would like to not... I'd prefer it for Undertaker to stay retired. Um, That match with Reigns... Wasn't good. He didn't look in good shape. He—it was just—and it was simply a matter. It wasn't the fact he hadn't been working hard. It was just
0: old father time catching up with him. I actually thought it was all right compared to the previous couple, because although the the fact that Lesnar won out of nowhere has hidden the fact that that match was dismal, and then the match the following year with or two years later, whenever it was with um
1: uh, Shane McMahon
0: with uh, no no with um Bray was. Nothing. Nice. You forget that even yeah. happened, don't you? It was nothing. Yes, it and then the Shane thing was just a s- stunt show, wasn't it? It wasn't a match. It was just a big stunt show. So Undertaker r- realistically hasn't had a good under- good WrestleMania match probably since he wrestled Triple H. Mm. So you know you could argue you know keep the mystique of the Undertaker gone. But if listen, if he wants to wrestle, he's going to wrestle. If he says to Vince, I can do one more, Vince isn't going to go. No, mate, you're all right. He's going to have him yeah. wrestle. So it's just if Undertaker comes back and says, I want to wrestle Cena and that'll be my last match, then then that'll be what it'll be. But, but... yeah, the thing
1: I, I think with
0: him having lost the streak and then lost to Reigns as well,
1: is there much of an appetite to see the Undertaker another wrestling at another WrestleMania? Or
0: could there, have there, this... is if you, there is if you tell the right kind of story with the right kind of person. I, I'm not certain that there'll be a huge... Um, I think there'd be an interest to see Undertaker Cena just because it's been a match that's been talked about for so many years as being a potential match and and whatever but what about this, what what about especially if it was an explicitly you know, retirement thing not a retirement angle as in the loser retires but what if and I'm throwing this out as a huge what if because it would give them both time to get ready what if you did the Undertaker versus Kurt Angle at Wrestlemania and said it is both of their last matches
1: it's a possibility, and you just that's
0: said it. this isn't the, the loser goes out. This is we have both decided that we, we're going out, and we want to go out with one another. We're just going to have a you know a match for the ages, and just make it both explicitly their last match, and just go out and have a doozy. The, that I don't think that's necessarily even more than you know a five percent chance, but I would p- probably prefer to see that in terms of you know the respect between those two and. You know, going out on some sort of symbolic going out where you know it's a last match. Undertaker said, I want to do it on my terms, not on someone else's. And Kurt um, Kurt would put him over. I, I, I absolutely understand Undertaker going out on a losing note. But I understood him going on a losing note by losing to Lesnar. Not by coming back, winning a couple more, and then going out losing to Reigns. What, what is he now, Twenty? 2 and 2 or whatever it is and it's
2: like or
0: 21 and 2 it it sort of doesn't really work especially since the Lesnar experiment hasn't really worked Uh, not Lesnar the Reigns experiment hasn't really worked and so I don't think Reigns is any better or worse off if he'd have beaten Undertaker and and had turned heel that would be something but all he's done basically is to call himself the big dog that runs the yard like Undertaker used to when he was the American badass and I feel like if they'd have used that as the, as the trumpet to push Reigns towards being a heel, then that would have been something. But they haven't, have they? They've just had him go yeah. along. So I kind of feel like it'd be a bit of a shame if Reigns is remembered as that guy in the mid, you know, in the mid 2000s or mid. What, what we call it in this decade? I don't know what we call this decade, but in the mid 2010s. Yeah. Um, and he, remember, in, sorry, in 20 years' time i remember Roman Reigns remember that guy they pushed for a few years and it didn't really work and he ended up retiring at 30 you know but everyone's going to remember Kurt Angle so if, they, if if Undertaker goes out with a final match against Kurt and Undertaker wins because Kurt won't care about putting him over um, I just there's a little bit of a nicer way of going out on that but again I'm, I'm reaching for it I realise that but it's uh, yeah I think, uh,
1: I think I think Kurt Angle's definitely would definitely want to have one last match in the WWE, um, even if he can't pronounce the words WWE very well.
0: Do you um, know what though? No one can. If if you went back 50, 60 years and said what could you change about everything, like I would have changed them to, you know, New York Wrestling or something, and called it NYW, because. It, no one can say it properly if you listen go back to old things when they would say WWF and and you know the whole Kozlov double double E Paul can't say it Paul comes on this podcast all the time he can't say WWE Kurt Angle can't say WWE it's it's too difficult for people um, so I would have uh, yep in the same way that TNA was you know a funny little joke for two weeks and ended up uh, okay. carrying on forever and they tried Impact Wrestling and have tried GFW and still everyone calls it TNA um imagine if uh, old Vince McMahon Senior and Tuxmond and whatever it had called it you know just left it with Capital Sports and called it CSW or something it would have been uh, a different world yeah anyway back to it sorry I do beg your I interrupted
1: yeah I was just saying that I think Angle definitely have one wants to have one last match in a WWE ring presumably at WrestleMania that's where you'd probably do it whether that's against Undertaker or someone
0: else I do not know <sighs> feels like it could be Triple H doesn't it yeah. feels like although there were there were seeds of a Triple H Joe thing weren't there
1: so long as it's not against Jason Jordan we will be okay
0: oh well that could be where it's going it could be that couldn't it it well could about. be that I don't see why it, Well, that, hey listen they've got a long way to go with it but that's not the uh, it wouldn't be the worst thing I've ever seen
1: the match should be okay but the angle hasn't
0: worked it hasn't so far it hasn't so far yeah. but I think I think they're going to go with him being a, a bit of a sort of an, an, a nice loser at the moment aren't they I think they're, they're going to try and have someone I think you might have someone come in as Jordan's mentor or something at some point Maybe even like someone like... I don't think he'd be at a wrestle... But maybe even someone like Corey Graves... Who they've had on TV as part of that angle... you know That Graves could you know, get in behind... you know, The psyche of Jason Jordan... Because I think Graves could make a really good manager... We'll bring this back full circle... We'll, we'll maybe end on this topic... But I could see Graves being quite a good... You know... Manager... He could, he could be the Bray Wyatt... That Bray Wyatt's always threatened to be... Which is that sort of not quite cult leader... But that's sort of like he can talk you into something and he can brainwash you into something with that, you know, the soft voice but the wide eyes. Definitely. I I mean, I could see Jason Jordan taking off with Corey as his manager and doing the speaking for him, and Kurt is then burned up with resentment for Corey Graves because he's able to get something out of his lad that, you know, that he never could. The trouble is, you can't do Kurt versus Corey because Corey's retired and hurt and you know angle can't have a long term you know um yeah. issue so th- that's the problem with it is there's no really where, nowhere to but, go with it but i would love to see graves as the manager
1: you made a very good point i mean i i worked extensively with him when he was uh he worked for one pw last decade as um sterling james keenan and and he was very much a kind of a, a culty kind of emo-y kind of Heel who became cheered by the fans because he was a, a cool heel, I guess.
0: This is we're talking about Graves. Graves, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Um, and we had several long conversations, and he's a you know a very intelligent guy. He had a great grasp of the business, and he just had such a good way of projecting that image he was kind of the best way I could describe him was almost like a, a creepy cult leader version of John Morrison right okay Um, and it was brilliant and we teamed him up with um, two British guys Jack Storm and Dave Morales as he was then known Dave Mastiff as he's now known from, from World of Sport ITV fame Um, and he was brilliant and, and he really did he was someone who was basically brought over as a favor to the guy who was booking the American talents because he, he, he rated him and wanted to get exposure and I always remember because he he lived in pittsburgh and he um, he had been Like, uh, I think he'd been to a WWE tryout. I think they'd had the Survivor Series there one year and he'd had, like, a tryout match and behind closed doors or it was a dark match or something. And he was on their radar. And um, I remember that he... um, That he had, like... When we had the last ever 1PW show, Will Not Die, it was called, in January, whatever, the year, 2007, maybe. Um... He had uh, another sort of tryout match with the WWE in Pittsburgh coming up in a few weeks' time that he was telling me about, and we're all in the ring at the end of the show thanking the fans and you know we're kind of like hugging each other and shaking hands with each other. And I remember I, I in the middle of the ring I hugged him and I just said um, along the lines of um, keep plugging away because I know you will get to the WWE one day. And that wasn't me talking blowing smoke up his ass talking bullshit because it was probably the last time I'd see him it turned out it wasn't the last time I'd see him but that's another story Um, it was because I could see he had that you could see something in him you could see he had that special quality um, that um, yeah, the character he had in NXT wasn't quite the same, but yeah, you could see he had something there, which the WWE clearly saw because when he couldn't wrestle anymore, they still wanted to keep him on as a commentator.
0: Definitely, and it's probably, and he wouldn't have wanted to know this at the time, but it's probably worked out to his benefit. He's probably likely to have a far be- better, bigger, longer, and more financially oh, okay. rewarding career by doing what he's doing, because has he, had he been a wrestler, they probably would have had him in the sort of... He may be in the... If he's lucky, he have been in the sort of Mike Kanellis role at the moment, sort of knocking around in the middle of SmackDown, and in about a year's time, they'll, you know, bin him off, and back he goes to the Indies. So he's probably ended up working out way better for him. Totally. Um, you know, that's just the way it goes, and it's a, it's, a, you know, it's a strange old world sometimes, but I can certainly see him being someone that... Um, it almost comes across completely naturally too. you know, um, I'm not sure he knows necessarily why he's such a good commentator, he just has an instinct of the right time to say something in the right tone of voice, which frankly, very few have. Um, and that as well is why he was such a character
1: and such a good promo, because... Yeah, it's it's all. In fact, you know, this goes back to what we were talking about at the beginning about the seminar I'm doing. It's all about knowing how to say things, when to say things, what to say, what tone of voice, what volume, everything. You know, it's so important.
0: So if you've ever wanted to learn more about that, to be how you can portray yourself better as a manager, as a commentator, as any role in wrestling outside of wrestling, then what you should do is go to a seminar with Corey Graves um, but unfortunately he's not putting one on <laughs> no, um, he's kind of... so in, in, uh, in his absence um, go to uh, Welling um, which I've uh, subsequently um, during the, um, there's been a, a huge Wikipedia influence over this podcast and I can tell you that uh, during the podcast I've read that Welling for five years was the headquarters of the BNP uh, no. and, and also is where Kate Bush lived once so uh, that's what I found out about Welling. That's how exciting it is. But um more to the more to the point. Sorry. It's the home of Welling United. Welling United, yes, who had a good cup run last year, didn't they? Um I uh, can't tell you a lot more about that. But I can tell you this is amazing, this will um, pull things back to what we were talking about earlier on, is the uh, where we were talking about Katie Lee Birchell and we were talking about Ludwig Borger and we were talking about Mika Hakkinen. yes we really were. Um is that the uh, the conflict which started uh, in 1939 between the Soviet Union and Finland was called the Winter War. There you go. Oh, so nice. we'll always bring it back round in the end here on this podcast. And indeed, bringing it back round gets us to where we started, which is uh, Dean's seminar. So if you've been inspired by what you've heard on uh, on this podcast... <laughs> actually, I think, <laughs> I think the, the footnote at the end of a podcast between me and you should be if you've been affected by any of the uh, issues uh, brought forward on this show, please call our helpline. Um, whereas actually we're going to say if you've... Uh, if, you've if been... you're
1: still listening at this point, congratulations. And if you have been affected by any of the issues,
0: then email paul at <laughs> com. Yes, remember to <laughs> we'll send been... lots of... lots of Ju- Juliet's in wrestling. Juliet's in wrestling is the key um, that we want to, uh, for you to send to Paul. I want to get a text from Paul in the next 48 hours saying, do you know anything about this? Yeah. Um, so uh, you can do the, the Juliet is just one of our ideas but all sorts of other ideas maybe send in answers to a fictional competition that we haven't done and say hi Paul <laughs> I think the answer is D um, you know the answer what to question Michael one Michael Hayes the question to uh, number one is Papa Shango two is um, Michael Hayes and three Joseph Fritzl and just send him that and just see if he can work it out what it is <laughs> <laughs> uh, brilliant. Um, so uh, thanks for that. And actually, when it comes down to who is still listening, uh, hi Paul. Um, and, so um, and pardon. And Francis. And Francis. Yeah, hi Francis. Um, so um, thanks everyone for uh, for listening along. If you do want to um, get inspired and go on along to uh, to Dean's thing, he's going to give you one more plug about how you can find out about it. Go
1: to www.ukpw.com but and no it's on, UK. Uh,
0: no, no UK, just
1: yes. And it's on Saturday, the 30th of September at 12 noon at the Falkland Community Centre in Welling, which was once the headquarters of the BNP.
0: Yes, and I think actually, um, given that there's no UK on the end of that uh, email, that, that URL. Uh, in a similar way to when they changed WWE to WWF, or oh, sorry, the other way around, when they they changed WWF to WWE, and they did the uh, they did the get the F out um, was their slogan. Um, that web website address could be get the UK out, except that uh, Nigel Farage has already had that idea, um, so we, <laughs> we, we we can't uh, we can't do that either. And on that note, um, thank you for filling in as uh, as guest host. It's a um, uh, well. sli- slightly longer um, guest host stint than anyone gets on uh have I got news for you, or one of those uh, type of shows? And if yeah. if um if that Benson fella is still dead busy next week, I might bring you um back into action um and uh, well, guest host again. We'll see if we can get a guest on as well, and you can uh, you can be the you can be the full Benson for a couple of weeks.
1: Excellent. Well, if the if the jury haven't uh, reached a conclusion by next week, then I'm happy to be back. Yes.
0: Yeah, so it's all down to whether or not they've been sequestered, as to whether or not Dean is back again. But if uh, if he isn't. Um, we wish him all the best with uh, his seminar and indeed with Because WCW. Uh, Thank you fa- very much. But failing that, uh, here on the uh, Hooked On podcast, we'll be back very soon with Paul or without Paul, with Dean or without Dean, with Pearl or Dean. We'll see you all very sh- soon. And just remember it's wrestling. Enjoy it. We'll see you very soon.